0: Well, according to the Christian calendar, today is Transfiguration Sunday. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. We're going to open our Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Transfiguration is a long word. What does it mean? Well, trans means a change. And figure is our appearance. And this is something that happened to Jesus on this particular occasion where his appearance was changed. And there's a lot of purpose involved in this, so we'll dig a little deeper into it today. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. Uh, Jesus was going through his ministry, uh, you know, as we read in the Gospels. And there came a time where his crucifixion was growing near, and he started talking about it informing the apostles about this and his followers. It says in uh, Mark 8, verse 31, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man, Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him." So can you imagine that? (laughs) These are Jesus' apostles, his disciples, and Peter, you know, the bold one amongst the group, uh, takes it upon himself to correct Jesus, (laughs) to correct the Son of God, okay? And I can just kind of imagine Peter, you know, uh, taking the Lord aside and maybe putting his arm around Jesus and saying, you know, uh, Jesus, uh, Rabbi, your, uh, your, your teaching has been going very well and your ministry has been going really well and I want to commend you on that. But, uh, well, you know, the miracles, what can we say? Feeding thousands of people. Healing people from diseases, raising people from the dead, that has been wonderful. And you know that miracle about you changing water into wine, that was just outstanding. But you know, there's a little issue about uh, some of the things you're teaching now. This uh, suffering and dying, you know, as far as our understanding, that's not what the Messiah is supposed to do. The Messiah is supposed to be there on a, on a horse, a, a great general, you know, a re, uh, you know someone to, to come to solve all of our problems as a nation. And, you know, you're talking about suffering and dying. And, you know, some of the, some of the other guys are getting upset about this. <laughs> They're complaining, you know, why do you have to talk about this? Why do you think that this is going to happen to you? We're here for you, Lord. We're here for you. And then uh, it says here in verse 33, But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, Get behind me, Satan. He said, You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So Jesus is saying, Listen, Peter, you and the rest of the gang here, you're getting in the way of God's plan and purpose. My plan and, God, and the Father's plan is for me to come down to this earth to die for the salvation of mankind. And by you trying to convince me not to suffer and die, you're getting in the way of God's plan big time and you better be careful. And in fact, Satan is the one putting these words into your mouth, just as he did when I was tempted for, you know, After 40 days fasting, I was tempted in the desert, and Satan was saying the same thing to me, and I had to reject him. You know, what was Satan saying? What Satan said to Jesus, you know, (laughs) this whole earth is mine, I'm in control of it, and I will give it to you if you bow down and worship me. That's what Satan said to Jesus. And Jesus stood tall and rejected Satan And Jesus is saying to Peter, and I'm rejecting you because you don't even realize who's putting these thoughts in in your mind about me not having to die and not having to suffer. So Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Peter, you don't realize it, but Satan is putting these thoughts in your mind because Satan is the one who's trying to disrupt God's plan of salvation for the human race. So, the disciples, the apostles had the wrong concept of the Messiah. Yeah, Jesus is ultimately going to return on a horse as a, as a victorious general, but that's not the reason he came the first time. He came to be the suffering servant, as it was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53. Jesus was showing that the kingdom he came to establish wasn't just going to be limited to Israelites but it was gonna be open to all nations. And it was already present in their midst and it was aggressively demanding the response of everybody whether they were gonna accept Jesus as the Messiah or not. Now look at chapter nine, Mark chapter nine, beginning in verse one. So he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. So Jesus was going to alleve their fears and confusion, and he's going to help their faith and give them a taste of the kingdom of God. Only six days later, he's not talking about his second coming. He's talking about now. They're going to get a glimpse, and they're going to get a taste of the, the very kingdom of God and all of its majesty. And the apostles, at least three of them, are going to witness it. So verse 2, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. So, you know, Jesus had how many apostles? Twelve. But he had a certain group within that group of twelve that had special privileges. Uh, They were like leaders within the group of twelve and it was three of them. So in certain instances, Jesus only showed things to these three, Peter, James, and John. So they alone are the ones who get to witness this. He led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. So the word means to change your appearance. So Jesus' appearance was changed. How so? Verse 3, his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. So, first of all, Jesus' appearance is transformed totally. Instead of just his physical body, which he lived with throughout his earthly time here, He was transformed into just a bright-appearing individual with clothes whiter than anyone can imagine. And why did that happen? Because God the Father was giving them a glimpse of what Jesus is going to appear like when he returns, when he brings the fullness of the kingdom of God to earth at his second coming. That's how he is going to appear at that time. And that's how we're gonna see him at that time because we're gonna be changed and we're gonna be able to see Jesus in all the fullness of his glory. So not only did God give them a glimpse and he's doing this to help their faith that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the very son of God and he is gonna return again. So they got a glimpse of that. And furthermore, here's Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah. Now, Moses and Elijah are long dead, of course. They lived in Old Testament times, and they're dead. But, of course, they went to their reward. And here they are back again. And Jesus is talking to both of them. And another account of this incident It says that they were talking to Jesus about his second coming, how he was going to die, be buried, and uh, ascend back up into heaven. So that's what they were chatting about. It doesn't go into detail here in in the Gospel of Mark. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here and to witness this, let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, they were so frightened. So why would Peter want to do this? Well, he was probably thinking about the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, which the Jews associated with the arrival of, of the kingdom. He thought, this is it, the kingdom is being set up now. And Peter says, Let's build some shelters for them. The shelters would have been an invitation for Moses and Elijah to stay, to remain there for a while. Verse 7, then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. Now, what does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, a cloud depicted the presence of God. So this is showing that okay God the Father's here now. He's he's descended here and he's going to speak. Remember in the Old Testament what led the Israelites through the wilderness? Well, during the day it was a cloud that they followed and at night it was fire, a pillar of fire for 40 years it led them through the wilderness. Also, when Solomon first built the temple and when it was dedicated, what happened? A cloud encompassed the temple, showing that, okay, God was there. He approves of the building of the temple, and it shows that he's going to be dwelling there now. So a cloud envelops the whole situation, and here the voice comes from the cloud, the voice of of the Father. This is my son. Whom I love, listen to him. As opposed to what? Listen to Moses and Elijah. What what God is showing here is during this period of time, during Jesus dwelling here on earth, we're seeing a transition. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah, Moses represented the law, Elijah represented the prophets, That's not your main source of teaching now. Instead, it's Jesus. (laughs) The old covenant time has come to an end, and you're transitioning into the new covenant time. Instead of obeying the law of Moses, you're going to be obeying the law of Christ, as Paul called it in the New Testament. So there's a change. You're going from a time of legalism to a time of grace. So it also teaches that you know this is truly the Son of God. Jesus is who he says he is. He's my son, he's the Messiah, he's the savior of the world, the very Son of God. Amen. So this whole transfiguration episode is teaching us a lot of lesson, lessons. Jesus is trying to convince the apostles to help their faith that Jesus isn't merely a rabbi, or a teacher, but he's the Son of God. And a lot of times when you read through the gospel accounts, what do the apostles call Jesus? Rabbi, (laughs) teacher, you know, we know God sent you, but you're a great teacher. You're really instructing us well, you know, performing miracles, but they didn't quite yet get it that this is God, the Son of God. So Jesus is using this whole episode here to convince them, to to teach them the lesson. And I think it's very important to see where God the Father says, while Moses and Elijah are there, the Father says, this is my son, listen to him. And to this day, a lot of Christians still struggle with that. Uh, There's a natural tendency to like to read the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is indeed the Word of God. But it talks about a, a, a period of time where God was dealing with Israel in a certain way, okay? Uh, when it came to the law, you got the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are easy to read and to, tr- to strive to obey. Uh, our minds like laws listed, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But Jesus came with a different law. You know, we don't look to a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts to obey God. In our time, what God has done is he has put the Holy Spirit into us to guide us, to lead us, to direct us. We are being directed from within. You know, in the New Testament, you don't see a list of do's and don'ts. You know, you look for those. The Ten Commandments were were kind of easy to uh, arrange in our mind. Where is that list in the New Testament? There isn't one. Why is that? Well, it's because we're being governed, we're being directed, we're being led from within. It's a different time we're living in. We're not living in Old Testament times. God used that law in the Old Testament to basically teach the people what sin was all about. But now the Holy Spirit does that for us. And uh, there's a difference there, a different time that we're living in. So verse 8, suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Okay, the demonstration is over. Uh, Moses and Elijah have gone back, and now it's just Jesus with them. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. (laughs) So they didn't get it yet, you know, what was going to happen to Jesus. Uh, They were going to need the, the help of the Holy Spirit. So he didn't want them to spread the news of what they saw because people were going to misinterpret it. People were not going to get it. It's only after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came to the church as a whole, that people were going to be able to begin to understand who Jesus was, why he came, why he suffered, why he died, and to understand the gospel. So... Jesus said, hold off on spreading the news of what you just saw and and trying to understand it and trying to interpret it, wait until the Holy Spirit would be made available and then people would truly begin to understand what this is all about. Like we understand what this is all about. We read this story with understanding. We get it, okay, why this had to happen, what Jesus was trying to do, the lessons he was trying to teach, the fact that Jesus supersedes the law and the prophets of the Old Testament. So this was a preview of Jesus' glorification and ours. When we see Jesus, how he was transformed, how he was uh, transfigured, The same thing is going to happen to us when our change comes at the second coming of Jesus Christ. I want to look at a scripture here in Hebrews chapter 1 talking about this change from Old Testament times to New Testament times, the change from legalism to living under grace. Hebrews 1 beginning in verse 1, it says here, In the past, Old Testament times, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, New Testament times, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus. So that's who we should focus on. Sure, we read the Old Testament, a lot of lessons to be learned there. It kind of gives us a preview of the New Testament. But now God speaks to us by his Son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins by his death on the cross, he sat down uh, in the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he had inherited is superior to theirs. So at the time of the writing of the book of Hebrews, some people were starting to worship angels. And God's saying, you don't do that. We worship Jesus, who is greater than the angels. So don't get involved in that silly kind of worship, worshiping angels. So it's a tremendous... Uh, incident that happened with many lessons to learn showing us that our focus should be on the New Testament teaching. Uh, We don't live under the law anymore. We live under grace. It's a preview of Jesus' glorification and ours. And it's a uh, vision, if you will, that uh, Jesus shared with three of the Apostles And told them, keep it to yourselves, don't spread it, it'll all become apparent at the time of Pentecost. And sure enough, it was later included in uh, the gospel accounts, written for those who could understand, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And another thing to consider too, is Jesus predicted, he said, uh, some of you standing here are going to see the kingdom of God. Jesus prophesied that, and sure enough, it came to pass, just as he said, So Jesus does give prophecies. And when he gives a prophecy, you better believe it because it's going to happen. Here's an example of fulfilled prophecy. Seeing Jesus in his glorified form encouraged them that the kingdom of God would be a reality. But it wasn't just in the future, they got a glimpse of it right then and there. So when we read this story, we should realize how sure Jesus' word is. And we see a glimpse of it in our reading of what Jesus is going to look like at his second coming. And how we will eventually look as our change takes place. Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Beginning in verse 13. Now don't forget, when Peter wrote this, he was one of the guys there with Jesus. He saw this whole episode. And this is what he has to say about it. 2 Peter 1 and in verse 13. He says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. So before he dies, he said, I want to point this out to you, and I want, I want you to focus on this. Verse 14, because I know that I will soon put it aside, he's gonna die and he'll be buried, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Verse 16, Peter says, "We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." It's not a fairy tale. It's not all made up, okay? as many people today, when they look at the Bible and judge it, they say, "Oh that's just fairy tale. That's just uh, made-up stories." He says, "But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty." For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him in, uh, from the majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So Peter says, listen, before I die, I want to get this point across to you. Now, don't forget, he was the bold one who corrected Jesus. And he learned his lesson as time went by, you know, to put Jesus first, to put God's plan of salvation first, in spite of what Peter thought, how they should go, how things should go and how things should be. He says, listen, before I die, I want you to get this. When we told the story here about Jesus being transfigured on the mountain, of seeing Moses and Elijah, we were there. It happened. (laughs) Believe it. Focus on it. Accept it. And understand that this just didn't apply to Jesus and to the original apostles. It applies to us today. That glimpse of the transformed Jesus is going to happen because Jesus' word is sure, his prophecies become fulfilled. So Jesus, seeing Jesus in his glorified form encouraged Peter and the other two that were there with him, that the kingdom of God would be a reality. It wasn't just a future thing, but it began when Jesus came to earth and started to preach the gospel. He established the kingdom of God. He is all about the kingdom of God. And just as Jesus prophesied, it's going to happen. Believe it. So Jesus has been the beloved son of God all along, and he came to earth as the promised Messiah. Even if he's not the kind of Messiah you expected right now, as the apostles were troubled when Jesus talked about his death on the cross and and being punished, not punished, but uh, uh, roughed up by the Romans and by the Jews. So the disciples were still very confused and wouldn't understand it until Jesus had risen from the dead and the Holy Spirit had come to them. So that's why Jesus told them to, to keep it a secret and wait till the time that it can be understood with clarity. So God's plan was working all along. God's timing is perfect. Jesus showed himself in his transformed state for a purpose. The disciples needed this, and it increased their faith, it it put their focus on Jesus, it helped them to understand exactly who Jesus was, not just a rabbi or a teacher, but the very Son of God. And we can be encouraged, and our faith can be strengthened today when we read this story because we see what Jesus looked like for that brief period of time. It shows how he's going to look, how he's going to appear when he returns in glory. And it also encourages us to know that we're gonna share in that transformation. We're gonna share in the glory that Jesus has now at his return. It's promised us, in a sense it's already happened, but it'll come in all of its fullness, and we're going to see each other glorified at that time. And what a time that's going to be. So keep your focus on the future. Keep your focus on the Word of God. Know that Jesus has transcended Moses and Elijah and the rest of the Old Testament. Should we still read the Old Testament? Of course. There are many lessons to be learned from that. But Jesus is the one that we focus on, not Moses or Elijah, not the law or the prophets. A new time has come to us, God has introduced his son to us, and he is the one who is our savior, our Lord and our redeemer. Let's pray. I have, Heavenly Father, as we study the transfiguration of Jesus, what a wonderful account it is. It truly happened, it's not just a made up story or a fairy tale. And Jesus did it for a purpose, to help our faith and to encourage us. We know that we're living in difficult times right now, not only is the world, as the saying goes, going to hell in a handbasket, but many of us are suffering through difficult trials at this time, health issues, financial issues, uh, whatever the case may be. And this is a timely story for us to read It's a timely account of what happened to Jesus Christ and how he was trying to increase the faith of the disciples. So Father, help us to focus on Jesus Christ. We're approaching a time now with the beginning of Lent where we're going to count 40 days until we're celebrating Jesus' death, commemorating it and his resurrection from the dead. So help us to Think about this story, to meditate on it, and uh, help us to prepare for this period of Lent and this period of pre- preparation for the Passion of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, that Jesus' word is sure; whatever He says is going to happen will happen. Thank you for the eyewitnesses you provided for us many of the writers of the New Testament who were there to witness these things themselves. And they give us strong warnings and they give us words of encouragement that we should believe too, that we should hold fast to the things that we've been taught and to believe. So increase our faith, Father. We thank you for the help that you provide for us. You haven't left us alone. You haven't, uh, uh, you know, given, Just put it on our shoulders to believe, but you've given us many helps. Help us to take advantage of that, Father, and to count our blessings. So thank you so much, Father, for your word today. We uh, look to you for all things. We uh, continue to seek you, and we look forward to the time that we will witness this ourselves at the second coming of Jesus Christ, our change and eternal life with him. What a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (laughs) Oh.